1: Welcome back, everybody, to episode 50, the big 5-0 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne. We are without Cully today. Guy is on the ice. Couldn't uh, get away for a few hours. But fear not. We do have Joey Cons from Trainwreck Sports and Crossing Swords Podcast with me to co-host. Joey, how are you doing?
2: I'm good, man. Just trying to navigate through the, the COVID-19 uh, streak the Sabres are on right now. No games. We're kind of we're lost without them, but... uh Hopefully that'll be uh, addressed soon. Team practice yesterday; they were out on the ice, and uh, uh, Governor uh, Cuomo just announced that uh, they're potentially going to let some uh, some fans in the arena. So hopefully, big, uh, news. big news for us that they'll be back on the ice. Uh, just not happy with who could be on the line with Jack Eichel
1: yeah. uh, when
2: it starts up again. Yeah.
1: He, hey, 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 Thompson was your guy to start the season. So I told you I'd die on that hill. So I'm dying on that yeah, hill. Right dying now, on so that hill. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, huge news. You know, definitely could see uh, some. Me as a season ticket holder, too, uh, you know, excited for the potentially being back, pay, uh, paying for a $19 blue light and some shitty pizza from the <laughs> convenience stand. You know, I wouldn't have any other way right now, man. That's how much I miss it. Anyways, uh, we have a special guest on tap for you guys here today. We have Saad Yousef, beat writer for the Dallas Stars with The Athletic down there in Dallas. Saad, thanks for joining us today, giving us your time. How are you holding up down there in uh, the Lone Star State? I'm doing good, man. We we kind of went through all this uh, a month
3: ago, when um, actually almost exactly a month ago to the day, uh, I think one month ago today, I was in the middle of a COVID pause. So um, definitely, uh-huh. definitely relate. And uh, yeah, so I'm doing good though. Like you know, where we Stars Hockey is rolling along. We've had a couple of speed bumps ever since the uh, since the season started, but nothing significant
1: since that first outbreak. You know, before, you know, before we get into obviously the season as it is right now, like we said before, you know, Buffalo is currently on a pause. And I think like the biggest difference here between, um, you know, between us and the Stars is because you guys, when you had your COVID outbreak, you guys couldn't even get into training camp. You know, you you guys hadn't played any games yet. You guys haven't even practiced yet. Whereas us were, you know, 10 games in and, you know, you know, the league completely drops the ball on, on the situation with us and the Devils where they should have suspended that second game, should have postponed it, but they didn't. And now we have nine active players on the COVID list, including our head coach. We're having these makeshift lines in practice that are including half the taxi squad, actually probably the full taxi squad if we're, we're, you know, if we're being real about it. And it's just been an absolute headache here. And in my opinion, it's a a very big competitive disadvantage for Buffalo to go into, um, you know, come Monday against the Islanders and a team that hasn't been on pause for, I honestly, uh, Collins, is it, it'd be like th- almost three weeks. Possibly. I, I think at the end of it, it'll be almost three weeks. Yeah. Almost three weeks to not have any, you, no practices with really with your coach. You're not having consistent practice with your line mates. You're not, you're not even around your team and, and you, to be expected to go in against a team like the Islanders, who is a very well coached, very good, highly skilled hockey team. Um, and expect to win, or even come out with a point—a loser point—is, you know, very unlikely. If you ask me, it's an like extreme competitive disadvantage, in my opinion. the The Sabres should be playing, and nobody else but the Devils for these first two games back. And I don't know if you're you agree with that Sod? um, seeing as you guys did go through it uh, to start. But again, the, the circumstances were different between both teams.
3: Yeah. Well, there's two things. First of all, the league's handling of that situation was extremely disappointing. Um, and not only was that disappointing, but the league's handling of a lot of some of these cases or uh, of this whole COVID situation in a lot of ways has been really disappointing because um, here in Dallas, for example, two weeks ago, or what was it last week, uh, week and a half ago, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before they're playing a back-to-back against Carolina on Saturday, Andre Secura is on the ice playing a full hockey game on Sunday. He's in COVID protocol and the game goes on. Right? Now, fortunately, nothing happened between Carolina and Dallas in terms of an outbreak or anything like that. But that just doesn't make sense if this player played on the ice and played against all these guys on Saturday and he's out on Sunday, why was that game played? And it feels like, you know, it was it, it like the handling was it, it was mishandled. Nothing bad came of it for Dallas or Carolina, whereas it did for Buffalo and New Jersey. So um, I think the handling of this stuff has been really questionable in a lot of different circumstances. Um, But to go to your point about just how different this is, I don't want to say it's apples to oranges. It's not that different, but it's very different because the Stars outbreak happened three days into training camp. They practiced Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday was a scheduled day off. Friday morning, we got news of all the COVID stuff. So it was – you didn't – you were never fully ramped up and then completely shut down, then fully have to ramp up again. You were still ramping up um, just three days in. You were able to shut down completely. You were able to get a week uh, – maybe, yeah, a little more than a week of an extension, cancel the first four – or postpone the first four games of the season. It's very different. I feel like the Stars had an advantage almost. Uh, It it was – good that the league didn't rush them back and try to make up for lost time um whereas since buffalo is in the middle of the season i don't think the league is going to have the same amount of patience um like you said they're getting back to it and the first moment that you can they want to play because they don't want to reschedule all these games remember the league did build in a cushion but it's only a one-week cushion you can't you can't you can't go too far into that second week of may and not play a game so I think it is quite different, and I and I agree with you. Um, it should be a four-game set um, against New Jersey to start things off. That's the way you get warmed up.
1: Exactly, two teams that you know have been on pause together, and that that's the way it should be. And you know, as as a former hockey player, as a coach, I, I don't see it any other way. You know, any any like it's an extreme competitive disadvantage. I don't know how much you agree or disagree with that, but it's it's extremely disconcerting, concerning. That, you know, we're going into a uh, series against the Islanders who have not playing and where every point matters, even loser points and interdivision in divisional play where you don't even want to give up loser points that, you know, we're going in so cold, whereas the Islanders, you know, might, you may come in in pretty hot.
2: I think there's a couple points to look at too. And, you know, with, with the, with the lineup changes too you know, these coaches and aside and you brought it up uh, earlier about the stars with training camp, you know, coaches don't even have a chance to really develop, see the chemistry of those lines develop. Sure. The stars were in the bubble last year. They were in the Stanley cup finals. We understand that, but it's a whole different ball game. When you start the new season, you've got to see if those guys still have the same chemistry coming back. Are they in tip top shape? Who can I pair up? Who's back? Who's not, who can I, you know, match up? And I think the Sabres, you know, had an idea going into the season where, you know, you were going to put Taylor Hall with Jack Eichel. Well, guess what? Taylor Hall's not there right now. It's just Jack Eichel. They're going to have to move Victor Olafson up a line. You know, you're going to have to move all these guys around, you know, pretty much your special teams unit, Tobias readers out. Um, I Curtis Lazar is on the list. You know, these are key guys in your lineup that you're trying to build a foundation and chemistry with so that when you go into the trade deadline, you can make these moves to better your team. And, you know, to kind of piggyback off that too, with the goaltender situation, you know, the Sabres haven't been getting quality starts out of Carter Hutton either. So what happens if Linus Olmark goes down? Well, you're going to have Jonas, Jonas Johansson and Carter Hutton? Well, and then how are you going to make that deal for that goaltender that's been talked about and rumored? Well, now you can't because these guys are in COVID protocol. Who's going to trade for him? So there's so many moving parts right now. Um, I'm just concerned with when it rolls back up. I would agree that they have to do something like a jump start game because the Sabres are going to be dipping into AHL players, their whole taxi squad. And it's going to be, you know, Tage Thompson on that first line again, probably who, you know, let's face it hasn't been what they thought he was when they traded for him. So they're going to be behind the eight ball before they turn the corner and get everyone back.
3: Yeah. And I think two things there is one, um, the the, when the stars came back after Mm -hmm. a, uh, after a five game pause or five Mm -hmm. day pause, sorry, they came back from a five day pause on the ice. They were without 14 players. Uh, 14 players were were not there practice now they kept trickling in in the next Mm -hmm. like three or four days but that's how it started for for dallas the other thing where i think it's very different because you mentioned taylor hall um the stars they brought back basically the entire roster Mm -hmm. so that's again where the chemistry play plays uh, plays very different roles for buffalo and dallas the the stars lost Matias Yanmark and Corey perry in the offseason other than that, they brought back basically the entire roster. Uh, Mark Pisek at the, on the third defensive pair, but other than that, you know, you had Jamie Ben, Joe Pavelski, um, you know, all the same guys: Jason Dickinson, Kiviranta, Gurian of Hints, all the same guys that they already had chemistry with over a long extended run in the bubble. Whereas Buffalo has a, like has more moving parts, more new pieces, mm-hmm. and you can't expect to have such a stop-and-go type of situation mm-hmm. and have chemistry. And by the way, having having chemistry is not just about scoring goals and about production. That's a health detriment. If you don't know how fast or how where your teammates are going to be, are you leading them into traffic, leading them into trouble? Like Those kind of things all matter. Those are all things that we don't think about just directly, but they definitely all play a role. Sure. Sure.
1: Oh, oh, my God. You, you couldn't have worded that better, Sad. And I can't agree with you more. And I've been saying this for a while, you know, whereas teams like the Dallas Stars and a lot of other teams, even, even you know, the, the the Stanley Cup champions in Tampa, like they brought back essentially a lot of the same faces. Whereas us, you have so many different new faces, especially in your top six, Eric Stahl, Taylor Hall, Tobias Reeder. Um, you know, it, it just so many key pieces to your team and you can't expect them to build this chemistry in such a shortened training camp was what maybe less than two weeks in length where you don't, you don't get time to do line rushes so much. You're jumping right into inner team scrimmages. You know, there's not, there's not enough time to find chemistry with your line mates, especially new line mates that you've never played with before. And a guy as important as Taylor Hall and you, you desperately need him to find that chemistry with Jack Mm Eichel. And now, and now you're have Jeff Skinner down your fourth line for whatever reason, it's, it's, it's beyond me. I don't know why. Kanzi, uh, Conzie, Kanzi's, you know, perplexed as well. But <laughs> yeah, again, it, it's just it, it, it's so detrimental to the team, like you said, from a health standpoint, and just from a team building standpoint, you, you can't be expected to build that chemistry in a, again a shortened training camp. uh You know, and now, you know, the limited time to practice with each other, you know, without your those same teammates that you just acquired, it, it's almost next to impossible to really get on a roll here coming out of this COVID pause.
3: Yeah, and I think I, I think a lot of talk last year, last summer with the NBA and the NHL both being in bubbles was like, how much does this count? Is there an asterisk next to this? I never put an asterisk Wait. next to last summer. This season, though, like, I don't know, man, like, like time will tell. But when you look at what the NBA is doing, too, I mean, you know, because obviously these two leagues were parallel in terms of uh, seasons and things like that and situations when you, when you look at just the amount of game postponements, rescheduling and, and the pauses and all this kind of stuff. Um, I don't know, like, like I'm a lot more inclined to put an asterisk next to this season, not, not taking nothing away from whoever the champion is going to be, but it's just, it's just so different. Like, like, I mean, you never play just one team or like seven teams, whatever it is eight times in a year. It's just, when when the when the return to play happened last year the only thing that was really different was no home ice advantage and no fans but everything is different now the structure of the schedule is different the opponents are different the frequency is different um everything is so different um i'm not saying like it counts less but it's definitely again just different so i i, mm-hmm. I i'm more inclined to put an asterisk next to this season for the NBA and the NHL than I was last summer.
1: You know, it's almost like you, 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 might be running into a team like, again, like, like Buffalo, the Islanders are coming, you know, coming to key bank center. And you're looking at a really, you know, limited Buffalo roster where if you're an Islanders fan, you're like, hell yeah, that's four points. If you ask me, whereas with us, it's just like, you know, <laughs> what the hell, what, 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 this isn't our fault. Why do we have to pay for this? Like, you know, we followed the protocols. We did what you we were supposed to do. The NHLs, you're the ones that dropped the ball, you know, and you saw how hard they came down on the, on the Capitals for when they were breaking protocol. I'm not saying they should punish the Devils, but you think that they would be more stringent on postponing that second game to make sure that the integrity of the season and the schedule stays in place.
3: Yeah. I mean, I like, like you said, I mean, I just, you know, the, 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 the differences and how everything is going to just play out is just, is just so huge. And, uh, and that's, you're absolutely right about like, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to play a blame game here. I mean, this, this virus has hit millions and millions of people and has cost hundreds of thousands of lives, but um, but when you just, when you boil down to it, like it, sometimes it's not one team's fault and like, what, what are you going to like? Florida is a great example, right? I'll keep it in, in the division that I cover the most Florida's first, like, however many games, like, first of all, the first two games against the stars got postponed and then their, their run, the Carolina went through it. And then the, the Florida games there got postponed. That's not the Panthers fault, but they're kind of, but, but they're kind of going through it because of how the, the other teams are, are having to deal with this stuff. So I completely agree. I I mean, I don't know that there's a good solution to this. I think, you know, when, when we talked to Gary Bettman, I was on that call with Gary Bettman and Bill Daly at the beginning of the season, um, a vibe that I got, and I think they may have said this as well, but don't quote me on it, but I know a vibe that I definitely got. They're just trying to tread water, get through this season, return to normal schedule normalcy by for the 2021, 2022 season, and, um, and you know, they didn't can this season and they're trying to, like I said, they're just trying to get through it. Um, and they're trying to get through it by uh, whatever it takes, however, whatever means possible. I don't think that this, to me, it almost reminds me of what the AHL is going through. They're not going to award a Cal- Calder cup this year. They're just basically playing to play, like just get through this, develop some prospects. like, all right, look, we don't want to give our, 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 entire league, a full year and a half, for because for some teams that didn't play in the bubble, those six seven teams haven't played since March. Well, you're not going to go two years without playing. It's just like, look, let's get through this, and then we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and and here's the biggest difference between basketball and football and hockey. Well, actually, not basketball, but football and hockey is the amount of traveling you're doing. You're you're you're. Exp- you're being more exposed to the general public, different airports, you know, different areas where the virus could be running rampant. And whereas with football, you're traveling once a week uh, to the same destination. Uh, Hopefully, I mean, granted, you're dealing with more players, but you know, if you're if you're abiding by the protocols, stay in place. And I thought the NFL did a phenomenal job with that this season. You know, you should be you should be be in the clear. To a minimal number of COVID cases. And again, you saw that last past year at the NFL. Whereas with the NHL, you're traveling probably three times as much a week. And you can't be expected, honestly, especially when you're dealing with sometimes with such young kids, to always expect everybody's always walking the line. And I, I just, you know, it, it's going to honestly, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And like you said, the, the impression you got with the NHL is that they're treading water. Impression I get is the same thing because you know, it, with Kevin Adams' press conference yesterday and in regards to all this, he said that uh, he felt comfortable after talking to Bill Daly. I don't know how are Gary Bertman, Bill Daly, where you have players that are being put on the COVID list after the first game that you could possibly feel comfortable playing a second game and thinking that the integrity of the schedule will be able to stay the same.
0: It's just
3: yeah. I mean, look, uh, th- this is th- this past year has proven to for for people that didn't didn't know already uh this is not just a game this is a business um this is this is how you kind of like this is how the leagues are going through it for for the for the teams that are allowing fans in their arena it's again like are they making a big profit by allowing 25 percent capacity no but they're trying to cover cover their losses as much as possible um you know the same thing goes for uh ads on the helmet and things like that now i don't have a problem with it i'm you know, it's great. I mean, if it's saving people's jobs, that's fantastic. Um, but it just goes to show you, there is a very strong money aspect to this, this, and, and, and again, go back to the bubble. I mean, we were, we were playing game sevens on the second nights of back to back. Like, what are we doing? If you're, if you're playing, if you're playing for, if you're trying to protect the quality of the product, you don't play a game seven of a series on a back-to-back night. Right. I mean, but, but when you're just trying to, get the days that you're paying for the bubble and all that stuff down. You're trying to get through it as quickly as possible. So this season, this past year has just proven that this is all business.
1: No, absolutely. Like I said, I don't mind the sponsorship stuff either. Um, You know, if it's going to help save jobs, it's to help make the league money. And, you know, and, and help in other areas of the league, especially, you know, with the uncertainty with the salary cap next season. I know it stayed flat this year. You know, obviously, a lot of that really depends on how much money the league makes. And if they're not making any money, I wouldn't expect it to go up anytime soon, especially next year. But, you know, with all that being said, uh, you know, to talk, you know, the Central Division, the Dallas Stars, I believe you guys sit currently sixth in that division. You have four games in hand, obviously do to the the pause with COVID to start the season, uh, one of the bright spots you guys definitely had is the uh, the recent play of Jake Ottinger Kanzi. I know you were really big on that. I followed Jake's career for a long time with uh, the national development program with the uh, with the U.S. team. His national team, his junior career is Boston University, career at Boston University. I'm not surprised at all that you know he is where he is right now because if you've looked at his career it's you know the more he's played the better he's got with every level he's gone up and me being a goalie i I've, I've loved watching jake develop over the years kanzi i know you were uh you're pretty big on him as well
2: yeah so you know with with the nhl uh with the nhl game pass it's hard to kind of pick a game sometimes you know everybody in group chats was watching um uh, they were watching tampa bay versus nashville and i decided well i want to watch patty kane uh, play the stars, you know, it was my big thing, but what went from being me fanboying Patrick Kane went to, to Ottinger and, and, you know, I'm not surprised per se, as I've talked to Dwayne, Um, you know, about his play. I think what I was more impressed with was um he's everything as advertised, natural size, mobile, quick post to post handles rebounds. Well, but what impressed me the most was his leadership when, you know, if, if he loses a game, he's the first to say, I got to be better. And, you know, you being so up close, I mean, is that one of the impressive things about him or, or have you kind of followed his career, you follow his career enough to know he he's already there. Like he was a leader. You could see that as he was coming up, uh, you know, through the organization.
3: Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And and honestly, that's a great observation. Cause I agree with you. I mean, his leadership, he's 22 years old. I mean, he's mature beyond his years and, and, um, to, to even to even lip service, uh, blame even if you're just saying it for two-one losses in overtime. I mean, these last two games he started um, were two-one losses. Both regulation goals were scored on the power play, and then in overtime he was scored on three-on-three. On three. I mean, you don't. I mean, that's not the goalie's fault. Yeah, you, when you're losing two-one, it's not your fault if you're the goalie. I mean, your 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 offense has to do better. The ironic thing is, in the first two games that he started the stars spotted him a touchdown in each game. I mean, they, they scored seven goals the first time and six goals the second time. So I, you know, yeah, his leadership is impressive. His play on the ice, it hasn't been perfect. Um, I think, I think his best game was Sunday. Um, you know, that was his best game last night. Um, when he played the Blackhawks for the second time, he played well, he was fortunate a lot. Um, there were times of that game, uh, you know, Kanzi, if you watched it, like, you know, it's, uh, it, there were times where you know Chicago just had the net right there. It was high. it went back for Dallas as well, where they had the goal right there and they just couldn't connect. Um, and then also the defense did a lot better job on the rebound and clearing mm-hmm. the puck. So I think that was good as well. But that takes nothing away from Jake. Um, I'm not surprised. I I followed his his development. I would say not his career, but his development over the last mm-hmm. two years. Um, uh, especially last year in the AHL, I would drive down. It's a three hour hike from, uh, from Dallas to Austin to go watch him in the AHL. I watched him quite a bit. And in the AHL last year, um, this is the biggest difference for me in the AHL last year. He, he's obviously a first round pick. So he's talented. He would rely on that talent quite a bit to keep the pucks out. Um, and that's not a bad thing, but that doesn't cut it in the NHL when you're going up against Patrick Kane. Right. So Um, so at that point, the difference that I've seen this year, he's so much more technically sound the way he moves from pipe in the crease, the way that his puck handling has improved quite a bit. Um, those are the kind of things that have really been impressive to me the most on the ice aside from his leadership. Um, so those things have been very impressive. And I think the other thing I expected, whether it's unfair expectations or not, look, kid was a first round pick. You expect him to be the future in the crease. I just didn't expect this from his third and fourth game. I thought maybe maybe in his third month he might look the way that he's looked in his third game. And so I think that's the biggest difference for me.
2: Yeah, and, and as you know that the the show is two goalies, one Mike, Dwayne's a big goalie guy. Johnny Colin, Coley as we call him, is a was a goaltender as well. Um I mean just the fact and I know Dwayne can probably add on to this too, but you know in in Buffalo having you know, Linus Allmark and then not having a guy behind him that can carry a team when you need him to. It's just incredible for the Dallas Stars to have Hudobin as like, I would say, like maybe the bridge guy uh, for Ottinger. But, you know, I just sit there and I watched that game last night and I think of, of the goaltenders that they had um, and I think you had brought this up earlier, uh, you know, on another conversation that we had that, you know, we have to remember the goaltending situations prior to the Bishops, to the Hadobins, to the Ottingers. But, you know, here in Buffalo, we're kind of still waiting for, yeah. for for one of those guys like an Ottinger performance. So I guess you could see how maybe, you know, we shouldn't be surprised that he's playing well, but it's like, man, why can't we have a 1A, 1B or or two yeah. 1Bs or, or something to help us get, get, uh, you know, out of this playout drought we've been in.
3: Yeah, it's 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 funny because again they traded for Bishop because the duo of Kari Lettinen and uh, anti Niemi there at the end of their run was was tough. I mean, and you know in in Lindy Ruff's team they were scoring points. I mean the offense was there. Uh, I but
1: we felt bad for Lindy up here in Buffalo. We felt bad for him. Granted, yeah, that he went to coach the wrong team. He went to go <laughs> coach the wrong team. I'm sorry. We were talking about Asterix earlier. There's a that, you know. You know, actually, that's interrupt you. Brett Hall's Brett Hall's jersey, (laughs) no Brett Hall's jersey from that that goal from that game is on auction right now online. I'm just curious. We're we're thinking about starting a GoFundMe right now, like they did for the uh, the Barry Bonds baseball to buy it and just stamp it with a huge asterisk on it because he's a cheater. He's an absolute cheater.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that was a. That I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that situation is what it is, but I think, but, but yeah, i mean, like, you know, with Lindy, they had all the offense in the world. They couldn't get the goaltending. It's kind of funny how that's kind of flipped now where they're losing two, one games, um, with all the offensive talent that they do have. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, look, and then they drafted Jack Campbell in the first round that didn't work out for them either. And then uh, like, it's, it's just really funny now as someone who's been covering the stars for only two years. Um, I've watched them before obviously I I grew up in Dallas but I've only been covering them for two years it's funny to hear you know guys outside the market like you guys talk so glowingly about the goaltending because I remember a day when it was very much the opposite where it was like they can do everything but stop the puck and now it's like they can do everything but score (laughs) so
1: you want to hear something funny and I was talking uh before we had brought you on with uh with Joey about this is that um, I'm doing a piece right now on one of our goalie prospects, Eric Portillo. Uh, he's currently playing uh, in Michigan, actually under a former Buffalo goaltender with Steve Shields as his goalie coach. And, um, you know, the, the, the big hype around goaltending here is revolves around Ukapeka Pekka Lukonen, who who uh, just currently I called up the Ro- who just recently I called up the Rochester, which there's a lot to be excited there. He, he's a very fascinating that he's huge. Uh, he has everything you want in a franchise goaltender, but I think Eric Portillo is kind of sitting in his shadows right now. And I'm, 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 a big ad, a big fan of his, but as I was diving deep into Eric, you know, this article, one, one of the things I, I, I realized is, you know, you know, Buffalo, not realized I've always known Buffalo in the past has been spoiled at the position you went from, you know, you want to go back to Hashik. you know, you had all those years with the where he was undoubtedly the best goaltender and not in just the world that ever lived. There, you know, no, there was nobody better. Even though he was carrying mediocre, average, mediocre uh, Sabres teams, as like you guys in Dallas know best. '99, that team probably does not sniff the playoffs without Dominic Like They finished that year as a seventh seed and made it all the way to the finals because of Dom. Um, but in that, in those years with Hasek, after Hasek left to go to Detroit, there was only four. The Sabres only dressed four other goaltenders between him and Miller. Since Miller has left, till now we've dressed twenty. That gives you a lot of perspective. At the carousel, it's been here in Buffalo since we've traded Ryan Miller. uh, uh You know, five or I think it was six, six seasons ago. It's been an absolute like train wreck. You know, no pun intended. You know, train wreck sport. <laughs> but like it's it's been an absolute train wreck trying to find a guy and develop a guy. You know, we developed Ryan Miller perfectly. You he was out, out of the universe. Uh, you know, Michigan State, you know, we allowed him to develop slowly because goalies do take longer to develop. I know that more than anybody. Cully would say the same thing, you know, and we are hoping that we're doing that the right way with Uka Pekka Luka and Eric Portillo. But you, you, again, with Ottinger, again, you said 22 years old, but if you look, if you look at his career, um, dating back to his time with the uh, and uh, the uh, US NTDP, like the guy has been, you know, been being groomed since he was 16 um, and that program just in general, the, uh, the U S the U S the national NTDP, like they've brought so many starting goals, starting caliber goaltenders in a league. You think of Thatcher Demko um, Spencer Knight, obviously Jake Ottinger. I know, I know Connor Hellebick wasn't a product of it, but another U.S. born goaltender, just so many good U.S. born goaltenders coming into the league right now. And you have a really good one right now. in Jake Ottinger, excited to watch him play his future. And again, it all starts back to where they started grooming him uh, with the U.S. National Development Program, uh, you know, from the U-17s, the U-18s, playing and um, going to Boston College. The more he's played, the better his numbers have gotten. And, just that program itself has really taken off and um, just really groomed some great goaltenders, Jake included.
3: Yeah. And I think, you know, first of all, like, let me say this, I I'm, I'm really high on Jake and I think he, he, like, he has what it takes. I'm, I'm also very cautious. Like it's, I, I would, I would label it cautious optimism because uh, you know, no, 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 I don't mean this in any kind of offensive term. Goalies are weird. Right. Like, I mean, like, it's just, like it's like it's just weird how like the, what the development the mental side the what like how it can take like I'm not like I'm ready to I'm ready to talk about Jake as the potential future I'm not ready to crown him yet um, you know and the good thing for Jake by the way that he doesn't have to be crowned anytime soon you like you got Hudobin there and Bishop is coming back in a month. So, it, like, it, there's a very good chance that in, in in about a month or so, Jake will be starting games in the AHL. So, because once Bishop comes back, it's Bishop and Hudobin um, taking them all the way down. So, I think there's different way. Like, there's but like you know, I, again, I, like I do think he yeah the development camp. The funny story there about him when he got there, when he got to the development camp, his first scrimmage he lost six nothing. Um, and, and he lost six, nothing. They went three or four days after that. And he, uh, and, and his last scrimmage, he won three, nothing. He, he pitched a shutout in his last scrimmage there, uh, went up to the hotel room to his dad and was like, Hey, you know, I think I'm that'll do it. I think I'm going to make it. And his dad just kind of brushed it off and, and got in the car headed to the airport, which is where, uh, they got the call from the program that, Hey, Jake is going to be part of it. So. Um, that brings me also to his, to his best attribute. Um, like, you know, Gonzi talked about it, like his leadership is great. Um, I think his technical side has improved quite a bit, but one of his greatest strengths is he doesn't let, he doesn't let his situation collapse. Um, the second start that he had this year, um, God, it was against Carolina. Uh, no, it was against Columbus. It was against Columbus and they won six, three, and they were up six one and he allowed two quick goals in the third period. Very easily. Sorry, they weren't up six one. They were up five one um at the time. They scored two goals. It's five three. Very easily could have collapsed there. Um and, and they could have could have made it too much like way too interesting. And he didn't. Like he he held strong, shut him out for the last twelve minutes of the game. Like that's the kind of stuff that you want to see from your young starting goaltender. He's very strong mentally, and that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, was, I, was, I was just going to say, I think, you know, when you talk about development too, and I know we, we were going to get into this too, but there's been just a, a, a giant culture shift in Dallas. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing with the NHL, a lot of players that are unhappy. We're seeing Pierre-Luc Dubois having, you know, issues with John Tortorella. So they make that trade, but now Patrick Line is having issues with shocker. <laughs> John. Shocker. Well, you know, shocker, you right? All that common. Um, and, and at the time in Dallas, you um, I mean, maybe before – I'm not sure if you were there in the thick of it or maybe you were there right after it kind of shifted, but you went – the, the Stars went from Montgomery to Rick Bonas. Um, You know, you had the Stars CEO, uh, Jim Lights, talking about Sagan and, and Ben about how they needed to step up and uh, you needed to start scoring more what yeah kindly <laughs> put right right so you see this culture shift in and what's going on and uh you know the reason I brought up towards uh you know Pierre-Luc Dubois situation is because I feel like and I've talked about this with a lot with a lot of uh you know people in the hockey world about the old boys club and the NHL and we're starting to see that old boys club kind of fall wayside because I think a lot of these younger players aren't these coaches aren't getting through to them anymore they're losing the locker room those old styles of play I mean coming into this position and covering the stars, did you see a drastic change in this team? Did you see a culture shift and maybe this bonus just have like a really good way of, of speaking to his players where he gets through and, and, uh, maybe it's a new style we're seeing out of coaches in the, in the NHL.
3: It's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, bonus is 66 years old. He's, uh, uh, a lot of time when you say players coach, you think a guy who's two years older than the oldest player on the roster or something like that, you know, right. Um, but bonus is the epitome of a player's coach. Uh, he, he, last year in the bubble, like, you know, they would, again, again, they didn't have a lot of days off or anything. And he would, and instead of practicing before starting against the new opponent, they, he would, he would tell the team like either take a day off or th- th- there was one point in the bubble last year where he mandated the entire team to go on a field trip to the football stadium and just play Frisbee, uh, play with play with play with soccer balls and baseballs just to get their mind free. Um, this year, because he's known like how different, obviously the entire circumstances of the season is. He has an open door policy to where if you show up to the rink for practice one day and don't feel like practicing, you just tell him, and he's not gonna let, and, and he'll sit you. No, like no hard feelings, no nothing. You just you just take a maintenance day. Uh, two days ago, you saw uh, Joe Pavelski, who's obviously an older player and Rope Hintz, who's a younger player. Both of them had maintenance days. Both of them didn't practice. Um, unclear whether the coaches said that or they said it, but the point is, Bonus just really vibes with his players. You know what I mean? Like, he just, he has a strong, he has strong communication skills. He has really good communication with the leadership group, um, with Jamie Benn and, and Joe Pavelski and Blake Como and John Klingberg and those guys, um, and Esselindel. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, he just... He just gives off big grandpa vibes. He is a grandpa. Um, he gives off major grandpa vibes. He's not a. Uh, he's not a. He's not a. You know, an asshole. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like
1: that, oh, he, he hit the nail on the head there, Sad. Like uh, he's not an asshole. He's a. He's a. He's a good dude. I'd love to have him as my coach. Nothing against yeah. Ralph Kruger, but
3: yeah, and, and and it trickles and it goes one step up too. Jim Nill is a really good guy too. So uh, you know, the general manager, your head coach, are good people. And it just, now look, just because you're a good person doesn't mean that you should be an NHL head coach. Um, you know, that doesn't qualify you. Obviously a lot of different things do, but that's part of it. And 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 it's more so part of it in a COVID-19 schedule because there's just so much more involved than just X's and O's in hockey um, when it comes to the way the bubble was and the way this year's schedule is.
2: And yeah. real quick, it's funny you say that because when the last dance came out, well, the Michael Jordan documentary and Phil Jackson talks about letting Dennis Rodman go to Las Vegas. Yep. You just, when you're sitting there, you're like, why the heck would he do that? But when you think about it, you know, coaches aren't just coaches. They're just sports psychologists in a sense, like you have to know your players strengths and weaknesses. And as much as that, Pissed Michael Jordan off and Scottie Pippen and all these guys. Phil Jackson's like, it's what's best for the team. Trust me, but do me a favor, Mike. Go get on a plane and get Dennis because we need him back here for yeah, the next game. Right. Like, it's just incredible that people That's sometimes don't point. see that. So, um you know, I just wanted to add that in there. But it's crazy that coaches are more sports psychologists now than anything. Yeah,
1: yeah. and and just piggybacking off that too. I mean, like I said, I've coached for the last decade, and like the relate like. You want to be a friend to your players, but at the same time, there's a line that can't be crossed. Uh, and that, 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 goes both ways. You know, there's lines that coaches can't cross. There's lines that players can't cross, but uh, with, with that being, we'll just piggybacking off what you said. You see, um, you know, guys like Mike Babcock who just recently got brought back onto like on NHL network, which is kind of mind blowing to me, You've just seeing the past couple of years he had in his last year with, with Toronto just again, that old, you know, that old boys club, as Kanzi mentioned before, that's just not the way you coach these days. And like I said, as I mentioned before, I've been coaching now for quite some time, you know, you, you just can't be in your face with players anymore. That's just not the way it is. Not, it's not the 1970s, 1980s, or even 1990s anymore. It's just not the way you're supposed to coach. You have to be able to level with players, uh, come, not come down to their level, but at least to relate to them on a personal level it, to, in order to get them. Like, Cause if a player doesn't like you, they're not going to want to play for you. And it's just, that's just cold, hard facts. Um, I learned that pretty quick early in my coaching career that, you know, we, you can yell at players all you want, but they're not going to, they're not going to get on the same page as you when you scream at them. It's just, it's just not the way it is. It's the same way with 16, 15, 16, 17 year olds as it is with a 30 year old adult. It's no different. You have to be able to relate with the players. You have to be able to, you have to be able to communicate and, to be able to get them on the same page. It's so, it's so integral and in be able to succeed at really any level of hockey. And you see guys like Tortorella who, who are very old school, but you've seen that lack of success since his Tampa Bay years. You've seen what happened in New York. Now you're seeing what's happening in Columbus and let's be real. If, if things don't work out by the end of the season and they don't make the playoffs, I think it's John Tortorella that's gone. It's not going to be Patrick line. You know, I know he's a free agent, but if, if, Line a was still under contract. It wouldn't be him getting getting traded or getting shipped out. It'd be Tortorella being fired because y- you know how many how many chances do you need? And when you're the common denominator, when you're the consistent problem, and it's always the same exact problem. I mean, I think Pierre and I mean me Kaz talked about this. Pierre Luc Dubois. I, I personally think with him, I, I'm not a big fan of Dubois and just the way he handled that whole situation. Um, but now you bring in Patrick Liney; it's the same exact thing. Before that, it was Artemi Panarin didn't want to play for you. You know how many, how like how many times are you going to be the common denominator in the, in this math equation? And finally, you're going to see see your way out the door.
3: Yeah, and I think I think part of that also is look some players. I I mean I don't know which players, but some players might uh, it might resonate with them to be yelled at or get that um, hard constructive criticism. I think the art of coaching. Um, and, and look, you can sp- clearly speak more uh, more to this than I can. You you are a coach, but um, I'll say this: this isn't about bonus. But I'll talk about uh, goaltending coach Jeff Reese here. Anton Hudobin and a- Anton Hudobin and uh, Ben Bishop are two very different uh, types of goaltenders. They prepare very differently, and they play very differently. And the art of Jeff Reese is the fact that he can cater to both of them. Ben Bishop is more, he likes to watch a ton of film and likes to prepare very much that way uh, when he's getting ready for a game. Anton Hudobin is more of just like, you know, like when I asked him what his style of play is, he's like, look, I just try to stop the pucks from going in the net. That's it. Point (laughs) blank. Um, Ben Bishop is very much like, okay, I want to like, you know, do this, move this way. If this guy's coming here like this, this is how I want to move. This is what I want to show. And this is what I want to do.
1: He's very calculated.
3: Very calculated. And Jeff Reese treats both of them very much the way that they they want to be treated. And so um I think that's the art of coaching. Like you have to be able to, you have to, you first of all, you have to have uh you have to get through to the players. The other part of that is that you have to earn the players respect because you know what happens when you do and when Anton Udobin shows shows up late to practice, you scratch him and there's no hard feelings after after his first scratch. Now if, if he doesn't respect you, that's a different story, right? But like Anton Udobin got scratched this past week on Sunday, came back, he he talked to the media on Monday. He was like, look, it was my fault. Bones had a decision to make. He made the decision. We're moving on. And Bones is like, you know what? That's in the past. We're moving on. And, it, and it's not And it's a non-story after it happens. But you have to have the foundation in place first in order to let those kind of things happen.
1: And you know, I'm sorry like I, I remember the point I wanted to make too when my mind drew a blank there um as like like I, obviously as, as a coach for the last decade but I'm, I'm more more or less served as a goalie coach one of the things I've always realized and this goes back to Kanzi's point about being a sports psychologist is you need to know your players head coaches I mean at least not not, not so much as past you know probably five five to ten years but before that head coaches really don't know you know how to coach a goaltender Specifically, and this goes back to your point, side that we're weird. We are. We're very weird people. Like we're very calculated. We're very, um, you know, we have routines. You know, we stay to those routines no matter how weird or odd they might be. And you see it in hockey movies. You've seen it in Slapshot with Dennis Lemieux. You've seen it in movies like Goon with Marco Belchi Bel- Bel- Belchore. Um, you know, we're very, we're very, you know, we're very, uh, uh, you know, consistent with, with with what we do and how we prepare. And one thing I always found that is very, you know, beneficial to any coach is you go to a goalie coaching clinic, and that's where you really learn the, the the psychological side of what it takes to be a goaltender and what it takes to coach a goaltender. And I think that also has improved immensely over the last decade. I would almost go to say that even further because I went to the USA Hockey goaltending goaltending coach Co- goaltending coach clinic uh, here in Buffalo and was held years back. And one of the things they really hit on hard was, you know, coaching goalies differently than the way it has been in the past. And you can kind of see that in the development in these go- in, in the way these goalies have been coached, guys like Ottinger, uh, guys like Spencer Knight, guys like uh, Thatcher Demko up in Vancouver. It, it, it really is a night and day difference. And, again, one of the things they really stressed on that is – to not be in your face with goalies when they let a bad goal in, or they have a bad game, you have to level down to them and just really try and, you know, communicate with them in a sense where it's like, you know, what could you have done better? What do you think you did wrong? Instead of berating them or just, you know, you know, Hey, you're not playing now for the next two or three games, the way it used to be. Um, we have, we had a pretty good story about Tortorella uh, here on two goalies. I'm like, when we had Steve Shields on, when Tortorella was with Rochester, how he berated Steve Shields once in the, in in the, in the locker room uh, on a, in a side room away from the away from the team about how he berated Steve after he had a shaky game. It wasn't even a bad game. It was a shaky game. And, you know, told him he was like things like, Oh, you're the worst, one of the worst goalies in the AHL, you're this or that. And then he essentially threatened to fight Steve. Like which is wild. You think about it, but you think, well, it's John Tortorella. So, you know, yeah, it doesn't surprise me, but again, going back to what you said, it's just, it's just not that way anymore, man. You have to be, it's not, I, I guess I was trying to dance around the word soft. Now I'm not trying to call players soft, that they're saying that they're softer than what they once were. It's just a different animal. It's a different culture. Like kanzi said, and you, and when you have guys like bones, like you said, who can, you know, relate to these players, that's how you're going to get the most out of your team. And the, the proof is in the pudding. You went to the Stanley cup finals last year, one year, uh, one year removed away from your head coach and your ownership calling out players in the media.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, like you said, like, that's, that's, that, that, that's the uh bones was the right person to take over for that. That wasn't a situation that anyone saw coming. I mean, the, the, like Jim Montgomery was not fired for performance reasons or anything like that. It was, it, it was completely blindsiding. And for that reason, you had to have someone who could come in and just settle everything down and and you know like you said rick bonus was the right person that was pro- uh proven time and time again that doesn't say that you know rick bonus is going to be the coach here for the next 20 years or anything like that but for this roster for this set of players for this veteran group and things like that he is the right he's the
1: right fit for this team i couldn't agree more Conzie, you got anything to add
3: well i
2: just I have to ask just because you've, you've, uh, covered the Dallas Mavericks and the NBA. You're now covering the stars. Um, you know, recently news broke, uh, that Mark Cuban, uh, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks wasn't going to play the national anthem, uh, you know, at, at uh, at home Dallas Mavericks events. Um, and then the stars came out moments later saying that they will play the national anthem. They support it. Um, I guess my question's geared more towards like Mark Cuban. I mean, it just seems like he's always going against the grain. Um, and speaking of someone that just has the mindset of getting through to like the younger generations and kind of always being out in front. I mean, you know, being around Mark Cuban, is that something, is that the way he's always been? I mean, has he always been that forward thinking guy that's just out in front before it happens?
3: Yeah, I mean that, that that was actually his trademark when he bought the Mavericks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the first one to put like TVs in locker rooms and like like have a PlayStation for everyone in their mm-hmm. locker room and things like that. And then and then everyone caught up. Um in this particular situation, look, I mean, I mean, I, I even if you're not getting political about, you know, uh the 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 conversation around the anthem in the in recent years has been do you, you you know, do you stand for it or not stand for it? Like, I don't think the existence of the national anthem at a domestic sporting event is really even a political issue. I mean, it's, it's like, it's an entertainment event. I don't like, if you really think about it, why is the national anthem played there anyways? Like, I mean, what, regardless of what the anthem means to a person or anything like that, it's a sporting event. Like you don't play a national anthem before the movie starts. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't really understand. So like, I think Cuban has a good point. And I mean, when it happened and you look at the comment sections or the tweets and things like that, look, there's going to be a certain faction of people who are always going to hate it um, and think that it's because you're unpatriotic and things like that. It's just, to me, it's just not, a, it's just not a thing. And then the star statement, I look, I mean, I think that was, I I don't know what that was, honestly, mm-hmm. no one asked them right. like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know why you felt compelled to like come out with a statement. Um, no one at you're you're a completely different league. Sure, you share the same building. That doesn't mean anything. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know what what the point of that was. Um, but you know whatever they felt the necessary. Like if if other NBA teams came out and said we're going to play the national anthem, sure that makes sense for the stars to do it. It was just like I, like. Like, you know, whatever, like, okay, keep doing it. No like, one
2: asks, like, is Mark, like, is Mark Cuban going to steal the CD that you're putting in the CD player? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just seemed weird.
0: It was
1: definitely weird. And it's wild, too, because it's like, you know, you see the comments that are made in the direction of Mark, Mark Cuban for his, you know, viewpoints on this. And people just always forget all the goodies done too. Like when, when, when COVID first hit and people were losing their jobs, Mark Cuban was like the very first guy to come out and say like, yeah, we're not going to lay people off. We're going to keep paying people. Cause you know, these people depend on these jobs. Like people just so quickly forget about that. And the things that Mark Cuban has done, not just for sports, but for people and how much he does genuinely care about the people who work for him. And it's, it, it, it really is just, you know, it, it it's disappointing to see the reaction to that kind of stuff that, you know, we're, we're back on this subject again.
3: Yeah. I will say like, you know, look, I mean, no person is perfect and Cuban certainly isn't. I mean, the Mavericks just got done with a whole scandal of sexual uh, sexual harassment in the workplace and things like that. And, and, and Cuban was Cuban was on top of that in terms of like, in terms of he's at the top of the chain there, he's the one that got fined. He's the one like, you know that that got the hefty fine and things like that and and he deserved it like like that's not i'm not you don't vindicate a person from his wrongdoings um when when like you know things are j- just because he does something right right i mean like that's part of the whole equation like for me it's more of like you know you call a spade a spade you like you know when when good things are happening when when good things are going it's good and when it's not it's not i don't i don't I don't put my allegiance behind any one politician or billionaire or millionaire and saying, you know what, everything they do is right. In this case with the national Anthem, it just makes sense. Like, like objectively, whatever your political affiliation is, I just think it makes sense. I, 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 you hear from people, like I put, I put it out on Twitter and I put my thought out there and, and like, you know, obviously covering hockey, you I have people that follow me from Finland and from from other countries, and they're just like, "Why do y'all play the national anthem, anyways? Like, what is that?" Um, Look for Olympic events, yeah, absolutely do it. I mean, that, that you're, you're you're wearing your country's name, but when it's the Sabers
1: against the Stars, like, what are we doing? How many different nationalities do you have there representing the, all those teams on the ice? Like, you know, right. you're not going to play the Finnish national anthem. You're not going to like, you know, not saying you have to, that you should have to play every national anthem. Um, I know, I know we actually had a discussion about this earlier uh, today, me and cons in another group chat, but I couldn't agree with you more when you are the face of the franchise, you, you, you accept all the positive and you accept all the negative and it's all put on you. And that's, that's what Mark Cuban is on. Yeah. He does get in front of things, but like you said, with the sexual, with the sexual uh, assault uh, allegations that took place, you know, again, he had to accept responsibility for that. And, you know, he was the face of it and he did. And you know, like you said, he deserved it because you have to be better.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, that that you know, it, it to me, it's not as black and white when it comes to assessing people or anything like that. It was just you know, with this situation, um, you know, I it's just you know, I, like I, I think it's hard to have this discussion for some people because some people just have their stances going in and they're not really going to change. Um, yeah, for me, it's it's also like you know. You always hear, like, I, I've heard this as a sports journalist, like, stick to sports. Okay, we're trying to stick to sports. We're trying to take the patriot like the patriotic part, the uh the the political part out of it. Now you don't want to stick to sports. Yeah, now yeah, you because, want to have the national anthem. There. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> like, you know what, I mean? what, we, what are we doing? What are we doing <laughs> and people forget that uh, a while back oh, you know, years ago, the national anthem was I don't think it was even played before football games, was it, Con? It was like
2: 2004
1: yeah, it was four or five. became about money it was you know it really became a financial thing uh i believe uh, with the u.s military and stuff like that like you know what i mean like like in my opinion if if it's going to be this big of an issue i am fully on board with it is not playing at all anymore i I love, you know we a lot of people love our anthem singer here in buffalo you know you know maybe after he decides to hang it up maybe that's when you decide hey we're just done with the anthem you know, if in certain situations, yeah, we'll play it, but yeah, you know, just to just avoid all of this nonsense that goes on, and just if you want us to stick to hockey, we'll mm-hmm. stick to hockey, or stick to sports. We'll just let's just get right into it, then. You know, let's do your you you, you announce your lineups, puck drop, let's go. That's that's just the way it should be, and I agree. Yeah. Um, uh, with that being said, you know, Sad, I, again, I, I really appreciate your time going you know, before you let you go. Obviously, um, again, we have, a uh, you know, a lot of games left here in such a condensed time. You know, how are you feeling about the Dallas stars right now going forward? Again, like we said, four games in hand, uh, here, uh, you know, you're sitting sixth in the division, you know, you know, you see, you mentioned Joe Pavelski there. He is absolutely having absolutely an amazing season, an amazing start. I think it's like 15 points in the, the first 10 games. Not a lot of people expected of that out of Joe. But, you know, I've always been a big fan of Pavelski. I always thought he was a phenomenal leader. He's wearing the A in Dallas for a reason. Um, but, you know, where, where do you see this team ending up in this division? And, you know, what do you think needs to be improved on, uh, if anything? there are certainly improvements to be made. Uh, oh yeah. I know. I know there is, but I'm leaving to yeah, no, you.
3: Yeah. For me, uh, the big, the, the biggest thing is the clock is ticking on them. Like it's not, not in a, like it's not time to panic or anything like that. Um, as like, you know, if you've seen the last two games um, the opportunities are there, they have empty nets in front of them. They have the chances to score goals. They're getting the goaltending that they need. Um, they need to finish goals and then they need to finish games. Like, they have an overtime win earlier this year, but they've lost in the shootout. They, they're they coming off of two straight losses in overtime. you got to be able to finish games. One point doesn't cut it in a 56-game season. You have to get on track. Um, in terms of, like, you know, what they need to fix, it's always the offense here. I mean, it, you know, um, the offense needs to be better. And uh, on top of that, though, uh, you know, you ask where this team is going. I think this team, in a lot of ways, just needs to, again, I use this phrase again, tread water just it just needs to get to april um once you get to april ben bishop is going to be back in net tyler sagan's going to be returning you're going to get reinforcements that way um so you need to just weather the storm get to it and i think at the end of the year look if they don't finish in the playoffs it's it's a it's a it's a gross gross disappointment of a season i mean it's a massive disappointment if they don't finish in the playoffs they're, they're squarely in the championship window. They believe it. There's a reason why they didn't overturn the roster. There's a reason why they brought Rick Bonus back um, and all these things. They believe they're in a championship window and to miss the playoffs would just be a massive disappointment. If they finish fourth or third in the division, that's not terribly disappointing. It's not where you want to be, but given the injury situations with your top center and your top goaltender... Um, finishing third or fourth is not the end of the world. You just want to be locked in for the playoffs. Um, I do think they finished third or fourth. If I had to put money on it, I probably say they finished third. Um, I think Tampa Bay and Carolina will finish as the top two. And then after that, I think the stars could check in. The Chicago has been playing really well lately. So I think they could finish third or fourth. We'll see where that goes, but they just need to get to the point where Ben, like, this is a weird season when the trade deadline is going to be weird as well. The stars don't have a lot to, in terms of trade asset and things like that. I do think that, you know, getting Sagan and Bishop kind of acts as your big acquisitions late in the season. And once they can get to that point, you know, then you just need to get to the playoffs. And then we all know what NHL playoffs more than any other league. It's the craziest time of year. Anything can happen. Oh, I love it. So I love
1: excited. it. I'm <laughs> excited. You, know, you too, man. man I, the, the, you know, this is the, probably been the best Sabres team we've had in a while, judging from the first 10 games. And we're talking about two back-to-back seasons where the first 10 games were overly exciting. Uh, two years ago, you had a 10-game winning streak. And then I think last season, we won the first 8 out of 10. And then we, it was absolutely a downhill spiral after that. But one of, one of the articles you did drop to was on Jonathan Klingberg. And it, it I find it hilarious because, you know, we deal with the same – kind, not deal with uh, because I think Klingberg is much better – than uh, Rasmus DeLine. But we, you know, your fans always seemingly like love to call for the trading of, uh, of uh John Klingberg. And like, I don't understand it at all because he's, I think he's a phenomenal offensive offensive defenseman, something we would love to have another, another piece we would love to have here in Buffalo. Just like, it's it, it just so much relates to Rasmus, DeL- Rasmus DeLine in here in Buffalo, because he's the guy that we all call the trade. Like, within the first couple of games of the season, and it's been a complete turnaround for him this year where he's probably been our most consistent uh, guy on the blue line. Um, and one of the quotes I wanted to pull here um, from from your article I thought hilarious is it isn't truly star season until the first call the trade. John Klingberg finds its way into the masses. and this year, <laughs> at least judging by my Twitter mentions, it took all of 30 minutes after the puck dropped and on opening night for the trade talk to fire up. I could almost appreciate the sliver of normalcy if only it weren't so off-base. Klingberg is not a trade asset. He's a staple on the Stars roster and will be a key part of any championship aspirations the organization has over the next two seasons. Guys, if you guys really want to trade him that bad, I mean, we can definitely put something (laughs) together. We can cook it up right here, right now, because we can definitely use John Klingberg up here in the seven one six.
3: Yeah, look, he's he's the, the problem with Klingberg is, you know, and like you said, I outlined it quite a bit in the article. And and one of the things is Miro Haskinen is so good and he's and he's and he is and he's on a path to such, I don't want to say unprecedented greatness, but gener- generational greatness like th- this kid is going to be really, really good um, for for those that haven't been watching Miro Haskinen in the last two watch. years. Yeah. And so and I think that leads a lot of people to be like, you know what? everybody else is kind of dispensable and that's just not true. Um, And the other thing is it's not John Klinger's fault that the forwards can't score consistently. And so everyone, and, and the reason why, you know, I even wrote the article and, and what I was referring to, everyone wanted to trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Look, get like, first of all, Tyler Sagan's going to come back. You still have your centerman coming back. Like, and then the other thing is with Pierre-Luc Dubois, like, That's he's not he's not the I don't think he was the answer for in in terms of you know trading away Klingberg. Look, Klingberg is not perfect. Like in the past, he's had turnover problems. Just last night, I mean, Kanzi, you watched the game. He got cooked in overtime for that goal. Absolutely cooked. (laughs) Yeah, and, and look, those kind of things happen. And like you know, of course, I dropped the article yesterday, so everyone wants to come back and be like, look, this is why. Look at the big picture. The yeah. big picture does not does not lend itself to John Klingberg being a trade asset. This team is a defensive-minded team. The 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 two most important positions on this team is goaltending and defensemen. And if you have your defenseman there with Miro Heiskanen who is a great all-around guy and great defender and then you have your offensive defenseman, uh you need that.
1: And here's Tr- the- Trust You'll me. We,
2: uh, real, trust me. We know about players making one mistake and, and people wanting to trade him. Jack <laughs> Eichel had a turnover in overtime in the first five games. You thought Six the world was a, on fire. You thought you <laughs> thought Buffalo
1: had burned down. Everyone was like, "Got to yeah, trade him. He's insane. terrible." And it's like, "What are you talking about? He's like like, a top ten player in the league." And, Kanzi, I think that that also goes back to the fact that before the Bills finally turned it around here, yeah. Buffalo, the Buffalo sports scene was a very okay. miserable place to be in, especially yeah. when social media really came to the forefront, and that's how people started to communicate their frustrations. Right. And it, it's been it's been for at least for the hockey side of things, it's been an absolute, again, no pun intended, train wreck. And it's just <laughs> it, it, you know, and again, another player, Ross Staline, the kid just turned twenty years old. And people, he's off to a, a slow start, I guess you could say. And you know, and you know, the kid, the kid has so much talent, it, it, it's unbelievable. And you see it out there. And it, it hasn't quite translated the way we want over to Ralph Kruger's system yet. But when it does, and it, it, it's gonna be something to watch. The kid is just so, so talented, and just the way he sees the ice, the way he sees the game when he when he moves the puck up the ice, his ability to skate in small spaces. His ability, and he, another thing too, as I say to people, is you see, you, you see players in the, this off season that was so unique and much longer than most, a lot longer than most, he put on almost 20 pounds of pure muscle in the off season. That to me says he is committed to taking the next step and he wants to take the next step. How many players at 19 years old committed that amount of time and they're only their second off season to putting on that kind of size? That right there tells me he's a guy you want to keep around and build your team around. And, I again, you, see, you talk about Miro Heiskanen, same thing, generational talent. The kid's exciting to watch. I love watching Miro Heiskanen. And the fact that you have both guys like Miro Heiskanen and Klingberg on the same team, once you guys figure it out, that blue line is going to be something to drool about. I am so excited to see what happens down there in Dallas because, honestly, I don't have to play more than, what, after the next season, what, twice a year? So I'm fine yeah. with it.
3: Yeah. And, and like, you, you, I mean, you're on, you're definitely right about that. And, and we saw it in the playoffs, right? You, you talk about the Stanley Cup run. Miro Haskinen scored 26 points in that run. John Klingberg scored 21. He wasn't that far behind. Yeah. I mean, th- these two guys are doing great things. And that was a big reason why, of course, the goaltending is a big thing as well. But that's a big reason why the Stars have had the success. And, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not, look I I don't work for the team I don't I don't work for John Klingberg I'm just saying the guy is really talented and I don't think there's there you could count on one hand guys who can who can uh toe the blue line and just skate right across and 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 put pucks on the net like there's there's not many that can do it the way that he does it it's
1: it's majestic him Darlene Kale McCarr they're just like it's insanity to watch these young defensemen really take the league by storm. And just like, again, we mentioned Dolly in his first two years, and one of those years was a shortened COVID season. eighty was 84, 85 points in his first two years, which is insanity. He came in as an 18-year-old. Miro yeah. Heiskanen, you know, he's he's only 21. It's insanity. And then Kale McCarr, I think he's the oldest out of the three. I think he's either – he's 22 or he's about to turn 23. The kid's a, fu- a friggin' phenomenon. It's just – it's such exciting hockey to watch. I love watching defensemen who really carry the play from their own end into the offensive zone. That's why I love watching you guys so much, just strictly honestly because of Miro Heiskanen.
3: Yeah. No, I don't blame you. Trust me. He's uh, – he, he's, and, and it's even more fun for hockey fans because when you're a hockey fan, you see all the little things – it's not just the would i think john klingberg's greatness is a little bit more overt you you definitely see it you see the the skating the moves the shot the everything uh, miro has a lot of that as well but it's the small poke checks it's the it's the little things in miro's game that just make it so
1: entertaining to watch i yeah i could agree with that. uh before we let you go kanzi did you have anything else you wanted to add well, I just appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. You know, I mean,
2: it's it's always been tough for me to root for the stars, but it's so darn hard to root for those those guys in the Lone Star State when they have the incredible uh, team and uh, playoff caliber players that they have on that squad. And, you know, last point I just wanted to make was Tyler Sagan, just the maturity of Sagan over the course of his career, you know, just this guy who maybe took took the game for granted in Boston and you know thought that he was untouchable just gets traded and and here he is now you know he's leading this team you know with with all the other players that they have just to the playoffs in consecutive years and doing some damage I mean I wouldn't be surprised if this team's got a cup over their head in the next two years I mean they might be a couple couple players away waiting for those reinforcements but they're a scary team that's for sure so I love
1: you you know they're again they're offensive playmakers even though some of them are on the older side man like I said like you, you guys, guys like Miro Heiskanen are still on their entry-level deal. You know, um, I think Klingberg is on a very team-friendly contract. I think he only makes like he makes less than five. I know that, but mm-hmm. you just you know, you, you guys are gonna have hopefully the next couple of years some more room to work with it you know, signing players and bringing more talent in. Uh, but again, with that being said, sod thank you so much for coming on with us. Um, I, pre- I appreciate uh, appreciate your time, and I hope we can have you on again soon. Yeah, man. Anytime. I enjoyed the conversation. It was a lot of fun. Anytime talking hockey with uh, anybody from The Athletic, honestly, these are the interviews I like the most. Anybody with The Athletic, because it's get a whole a different point of view uh, from a journalist's perspective. I mean, I know we we try kind of sort of, me and Kanzi kind of sort of consider ourselves journalists uh, to a certain extent. But, um, you know, we, we love having you guys on with us because you definitely give us a very different dynamic uh, perspective of the game. And we appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. So, but before we let you, before we let everybody go, please be sure, obviously we just announced our newest uh, relationship with Manskate go to manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code that's trainwreck that's t r a i n w r e c k all in capital letters be sure 20% off your entire purchase just got my care packages from trainwreck uh, from not from train Wreck. from Manscaped and uh got the new the, the, one of their newest razors uh just um all their different lotions and deodorants unbelievable product over there at Manscaped. be sure manscaped.com. Uh, code word train wreck twenty percent off plus free shipping. With that being said, this has been episode fifty of Two Goalies One Mike. We will talk to you next week.